to the Connect Kindness Podcast, where we connect people with organizations to inspire kindness. I'm your host, Crystal Aziz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim Evans. Thank you so much for joining us on the Connect Kindness Podcast. In today's episode, we interview CJ Stanfield with Pencils of Promise. Yes, we had another great interview, and we learned all about Pencils of Promise, the history of the organization, as well as the impact that they're making in Guatemala, Laos, Nicaragua, and Ghana. Pencils of Promise has opened over 400 schools in these destinations, and they are doing great, great things. So without further ado, this is our interview with CJ Stanfill of Pencils of Promise. Thank you so much for joining us on the Connect Kindness podcast. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about Pencils of Promise and the history of the organization? Absolutely. Pencils of Promise started 10 years ago, 10 years ago, Halloween. It was started by Adam Braun, our founder. He was traveling around the world, uh, became very inspired about the people he was meeting around the world. And for his own birthday, 10 years ago, wanted to make a change. And particularly in Laos, he was in Laos traveling, was inspired about the communities that he saw and the communities that he interacted with and came home and threw a birthday party and asked everyone to chip in to help him build a school in Laos. His family tells a story of they never saw it going anywhere else than that, other than just a birthday party, uh, raising money for one school. And 10 years later, we built 491 schools across four different countries and are you know, impacting over 95,000 students. So it's something that started off very small, started off with you know, someone, one person wanting to make a change and make a difference. and you know, through the focus and involvement of a lot of great people and interaction with great communities, uh, it's evolved into what it is today. That is so awesome. I love that. Just started with one person, a dream, and uh, just the number of, of people that you're impacting. That is that is awesome. I know that your schools are located in Guatemala, Laos, Nicaragua, and Ghana. I guess I'm interested, how did you guys decide on those um, locations? And also, um, do you open the schools for specific grade levels? How do you guys determine that? So for grade levels, we focus specifically on primary schools. And so we really believe in the foundation and making the impact at the beginning of a child's education. Um, you know, kind of taking a step back into the organizational structure and the programs we do. Um, we start off building schools and we continue to build schools, but we place a lot of pride and emphasis on our programming and interventions. And that's um, teacher support program and then water sanitation hygiene program or WASH, implementing those at the school level to really make the effect and the impact at the education level. So. We work specifically with primary age students and primary teachers. And uh, to your question about countries, uh, our founder Adam Braun started, you know, with one school build in Laos. You know, several years later, as the organization was growing and wanting to find an opportunity for, you know, donors and anyone that wanted to get involved to actually be involved in the communities, there was an interest in being involved in uh, Central America. So. Nicaragua was uh, selected and uh, 20 schools were built in Nicaragua. Uh, It became a little too challenging to work in Nicaragua uh, given um, unrest at the time, cooperation with governments. We worked very closely with governments and with communities. Operations were were closed in Nicaragua and moved to Guatemala, which has um, become one of our best success stories in, in, in growth and pace. And Guatemala has built over 200 schools alone. 
So moving into Ghana, there was, you know, a, a lot of emphasis placed on how can we do this strategically? You know, uh, where do we go next? You know, looking at the entire continent of Africa, what country does our program and does our model best fit? And so uh, over an extended period of time, there's a lot of effort into doing research and visiting places and talking to governments, listening to communities and seeing where our model fits. The decision was uh, placed on Ghana and Ghana has turned into an also a great success story and uh, a growth of the team. It's where a lot of our programmatic um, work in water, sanitation, hygiene, and teacher support has really taken off. And so we've seen uh, great success in the places that we're currently working and that really comes down to our connection with the communities and the governments. We only work with public schools. We, we build public schools. We don't own the schools. We don't pay the teachers. You know, out of these 492 schools that we built, not one of them has ever closed. Uh, wow. So you know, even the schools in Nicaragua that we built, you know, when we left the, the country, that we partnered with an organization that continue to support them and monitor and you know, provide uh, you know, materials and things. So that kind of foundational approach of, again, looking at the community, making sure governments are involved, that everyone has a stake in, in what we're doing has led to the overall sustainability of our model. Really, really inspiring. It's such a huge feat that you guys have built over 400 schools at those four countries and then 200 alone in, in Guatemala. I'm interested if you could share what is the process for building a Pencils of Promise school? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of going back to that relationship with communities and the governments, you know, it, it really starts off in a couple of different ways. The foundation come from, you know, a, a district level official contacting someone in our office and saying, hey, I think this community would be a good fit. But there's a lot of different ways of that initial first first plug. Um, the next phase is really important in that our teams in country uh, will travel to the community and uh, conduct a needs assessment, a very in-depth needs assessment, you know, that goes through how our program best fits. Just to kind of summarize the needs assessment, it really focuses on, uh, one, is there a, an education system already in place? Uh, are there public school teachers teaching and are there students attending class? The infrastructure part of that can differ. So that can mean a teacher and students in class underneath a mango tree, or it could be um, a three-unit classroom that's just overcrowded. And so the scale up to which we build and the infrastructure in place differs. But what's most important is that there is a focus and a care towards education already existing in the community. Uh, so, you know, the alternative to that is we don't build schools where there um, really is no interest, right? Um, we don't build schools where people are not going to school. We're not, you know, uh, trying to force anything on to someone that's there's not already care and passion already existing so sure. after the needs assessment process say everything kind of checks the boxes and it's, it's a good fit uh, the next most important phase is uh, getting a commitment from the community communities contribute 20 percent either in materials and or labor uh, to the build cost and so an agreement is made between the community and the organization and then with that is, you know, start date and, you know, uh, ex uh, expected completion date and everything around that. So uh, from beginning to end, uh, school builds tend to take, 
you know, anywhere from three, four to six months. It differs depending on where they are in the country and the time of year, given rainy seasons and, and, and things like that. But um, it's, a, it's a process that is taken obviously very seriously, but just there's a lot of checks and balances to make sure that the uh, community is, is a good fit for, for what we can contribute. That is amazing. I think one key aspect of what you guys are doing, and it, I think it leads to the success that you guys have had, is having 20% of the community be part of this build. That means that they have pride in what is being done, and they, again, they have that passion, and they want you know, to be helped, and they want to learn. And I think that is so, so key to other organizations when coming into different countries and getting everyone on board. You, know, you, you have to become part of the community before um, really just kind of helping them. Exactly. They're not just going in and saying, hey, I'm, we're going to build a school. This is what you're going to do. You're becoming part of the community, yeah. which is the way it should be. I've, I've been in, involved in international development for almost eight years now, and I've seen a lot of initiatives that are forced upon uh, a community and an audience that just fail immediately. And it's wasted dollars. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of funding put out there and a lot of people that believe in an issue. And unfortunately, there are are a good amount that um, are, are not thought through carefully enough and are therefore not sustainable and not wanted. And so um, I've, I'm incredibly prideful about the work we do at Pencils of Promise and that uh, it's all built around the community. It's built around the need um, for providing what is wanted and what is needed. That, that's amazing. And thank you, you know, for sharing that and going so in depth. I want to ask about what is the relationship between the schools and Pencils of Promise after the school is actually built? You know, we, we maintain relationships with all the communities where we build. Um, as the director of learning evaluation at POP, I am responsible for, you know, making sure that we're collecting all the right data. So we're collecting enrollment numbers. We're you know, making sure teachers attending. So that's just the school build. And then if there is a time in which we expand our programmatic work, our WASH program and our TS program into the school, you know, there's, again, that kind of next phase of a needs assessment and then an agreement made with the school and details are given about the programs and then the program is launched. And so starting this year, uh, we're looking into a way that we can make our scale and growth more sustainable by graduating schools out of our program. And so in the school year, we're going to look into a way to end programs in order to move them to other schools. And so the next several years will be uh, exciting in looking at how to maintain relationships with you know, these communities and these teachers, not only after the build, but then after the program and making sure and finding ways that the program um, is sustainable without us uh, being there on a regular basis. That's great. That's great. And I know that the education system is so strong. It has such a big influence on, you know, teachers and along with the students. And now and then you're creating this opportunity for them. Can you tell us a little bit more about how Pencil of Promise schools have positively impacted the communities where they were built? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's creating a lot of pride in the community. Uh, back to what, what you said about, you know, uh, the, the 20% contribution, it, it's really founded on that principle of, of pride. And so, you know, these, these school buildings are obviously used for school, but um, they can be used for, for community meetings and be used for other events. It, it's, you know, our, our country directors were just in town last week for our gala and our country director in Guatemala was uh, telling a story about 
how you know he, he went to a community and he saw that they had you know purchased their own paint and were repainting the, the school or you know other stories of you know not a reliance or an expectation that we will you know um, provide all the services and all the materials which we do at in times you know we, we do provide uh, repairs and, and upkeep on, on, on buildings but you know there's initial engagement of that 20% contribution that creates a, a massive ownership and, and pride within community. That's awesome. <clears throat> Could you share like maybe a success story, um, anything that's, that you're proud of as far as what Pencil of Promise has done with one of the one of the countries? I think the most compelling success story we have right now is our focus and attention on digital learning. So we're, we're finding as the world is getting more advanced in, in technology and technology is becoming more accessible in the, the most remote areas of the world, uh, we found an opportunity to promote literacy through that. And you know, we're not the first organization to do this, but we're really you know investing in it and want it to become a crucial part of our model. So uh, to date, we have distributed 8,000 uh, e-readers in, in Ghana and um, starting in January 2019, uh, we will launch our e-reader program in Guatemala. So, you know, with the idea of provide students with the opportunity to access uh, a lot more books, and in school, you know, the the kids are, are given opportunities with the, with instruction from the teachers and support from the teachers to be exposed to more. Uh, so, it's, it's something that we're really putting a lot into as far as, you know, effort and, and, and foresight and seeing how we can make this a sustainable approach with, with local governments and local communities. And um, but it's something that we, we take a lot of pride in. I like, I like the e-reader program. That sounds really, really that's awesome. That's the future, you know? Yeah, that's the future sure. you guys are implementing technology. That That's how you keep people involved. That's you keep them innovated. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. For, for sure. And you mentioned earlier about um, the WASH program that uh, Pencils of Promise yeah. have. Can you go into that? Uh, yeah, so our WASH program is designed and based off of uh, UNICEF guidelines. So it's uh, an internationally recognized program. It's uh, something that when it was launched, uh, we definitely didn't recreate the wheel, you know, looking at best practices, who's doing what, and knowing how it works. Uh, WASH globally as a program, you know, POP included and outside of POP, it's a very successful program. Um, it kind of goes back to that pride component. It creates a lot of pride within communities. It improves health by providing clean water sources, providing practices where water sources don't become contaminated. And then something that, that we really focus on and believe in is providing uh, private restroom spaces, which promotes and provides a private space, especially for young girls in our schools. So the program as it functions is building infrastructure. So that includes toilets. Uh, in Laos, we actually um, build wheelchair accessible toilets. Um, and then we provide hand washing stations, and, and then we uh, look to uh, clean water sources, whether, whether that's providing water filters, providing you know education on uh, how to purify water through boiling, et cetera. And, uh, and the program is supported constantly after the implementation and providing the materials through you know workshops on on hand washing, on brushing your teeth. 
every component of healthy behaviors that you know keep students in school uh, longer tend to uh, miss fewer school days and yeah it, again kind of revolves around that pride component people feel uh, better and more prideful when they are more healthy yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Spencer's a Promise was uh, founded in 2008. So 2018, that is, uh, th- this is your 10 year anniversary this year. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah, can, can, you. can you share a vision of Pencils for Promise over the next three to five years? Uh, in 2019, we're going to focus a lot on finding and improving what we know what works. We consider ourselves a, an organization to uh, innovates and looks for, you know, uh, things that can really move the needle. Uh, for example, you know, our, our digital learning program, but then also our social emotional learning program for primary students. And looking at our work, we, we really believe what we have now, you know, building holistic school environments with strong and safe structures with well-trained and supported teachers and providing more opportunity for students and finding ways to just constantly improve that. You know, not trying to constantly plug in new things and and new interventions but really just refine and scale and we want our teacher support and watch programs to be in more and more schools looking for ways to refine and improve also you know kind of moving forward in the five-year mark our leadership will be working on finding strategic plans and you know developing a vision together collaboratively and understanding what the next five years look like. So it's something that is on our mind um, and something that, you know, we kind of tend to look more about the next calendar year ahead. Uh, but within the next couple of months, we we definitely will, will have a better insight into what the next five years look like. For the listeners that want to get involved with you guys, because you guys are an amazing organization and continuing to grow, how can we do that? How can they help? Yeah, there's there's a, a ton of different ways. Our, our our teams who who develop these channels and opportunities have done a great job in you know providing opportunity for everyone. So there is an opportunity to get involved for everyone. The the first and most easiest is going to our website at pencilsandpromise.org, um, checking out all of our work. And there's several places on the website where you can find to donate. And you know there's a lot of great components on the website that point to, you know, how and where your money will go and more kind of collective and collaborative involvement. Uh, we have what are called pop clubs. These clubs are, are organized within schools, you know, middle schools, high schools, universities, and for an opportunity for students to raise money together. We also have uh, leadership councils, a more kind of uh, long-term and sustainable uh, way to get involved with, you know, uh, running events and supporting events, you know, all over the country. And uh, all these, you know, links and all this information can be found on uh, on our website, pencilwithpromise.org, and uh, the tab, um, how to get involved. There's, there's a lot of different opportunities and anything anything counts. That's great. I know social media is huge right now. Do you guys, what's your social media handles? Do you have any upcoming events that people can also be part of? Social media, we're, we're on Facebook, we're on uh, Instagram at, at Pencils of Promise, uh, and we're at 
on Twitter as well. So uh, all of our events are, are posted through those channels. Any short-term upcoming events uh, here in New York City, we have some runners are, are running to, to raise money. We have a handful of runners that have raised, I believe, almost $60,000 for us. Wow. So, you know, this weekend we're going to go out and cheer them on and, and, uh, and have an event to, to celebrate them after. So um, that's just one example of something coming up, but uh, all of our uh, social media feeds will uh, provide details on other events as well. Awesome. Well, CJ, it's been a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for uh, what you guys do, making the world a better place. Just we appreciate you spending a little time with us on the Connect Kindness podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. If you ever need anything from us, we're definitely big supporters of you guys, so please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. All the information is on the Connect Kindness website about Pencils of Promise. Everyone can check it out that way. Also, um, you can find them on our social media handles, too. You can find them uh, through connectkindness.com also. So thank you so much, CJ. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all.